Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome to 1111 Talk Radio. It's great to be back with you. This week, my conversation is with Waska Waboos, the Illuminated Warrior. We engage in conversation on his talk show, The Way of the Illuminated Warrior, which is a form of candid conversations for men and women about men. It's a place to share perspectives and ideas. He keeps it light and gets serious with the intention to help and heal men and support women in better understanding the men in their lives, often discussing and discovering new pathways together through common challenges for healing, growth, clear communication, and healthy expressions of feeling. I'd like to introduce you to Waska Waboos, and you are invited to engage in a complimentary healing strategy session. For the first three men who respond by email, go to waska at illuminatedwarrior.com. That's illuminatedwarrior.com. Enjoy the show. We are going to chat about understanding self to understand others. So that is the topic of our show today. Yeah. Mm, beautiful so, topic. Um, so I want to ask you, what's the first thing that pops into your head when you when you read that or you hear that? Understanding self to understand others. I feel like the only way that we can ever meet another and not project or judge or blame or shame is by first knowing who we are. Because then we take personal responsibility. We have a sense of inner authority and a grounding within ourselves that anchors us further in our truth and also makes us open enough and accepting enough for the other individual's truth as well. Well, amen to that. Yes, that's a, a beautiful way of putting it. Uh, for myself, because I'm, I'm a rogue thinker, um, when I, what I mean by that is like I, I think a lot, which I always have, and I just pretty much spew out whatever comes to my mind, very often not necessarily editing myself. So I'm still actually in the process of understanding myself uh, on a deeper level. Um, as I evolve, or I believe I'm evolving, uh, I feel like I've learned a lot about myself, and then situations will arise where I question myself, okay, are my beliefs changing? Is my way of being changing? Do I really um, have a set way of looking at myself and looking at the situations and looking at things? Um, you know, being a Scorpio, it is a fixed sign. And I feel like for myself, it's really important for me in this evolution of self to, to be more mutable. Um, and, be, and be more flexible. So that's something that I'm working on to know myself better. And, uh, and I do agree with you. It, without no, really knowing self, it's, it's very hard to understand and relate to other people. Yeah. Well, one thing that I would say to anybody seeking a coach or a mentor, and I know that you work uh, primarily with men, although you work with women as well, um, is that if you are with a coach that is not 
growing, <clears throat> excuse me, growing and changing that is not willing to completely and constantly look at themselves, that is not willing to have their humanity and their humility in the process, then you need to find another coach because none of us have got it all together. None of us know everything. And the only way that we as coaches and mentors can assist other people is by facing our own shadows, our own demons, our own inequities. And when we do that, that is true service to the other and to the world. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a, that's a very good point. And uh, I fell into like the coaching or mentoring role, not really seeking it or by design. I just found like um, through the course of time, like my friends, my bros, my circle of guys would want to, I'll say counsel with me or just talk to me or have my opinion. And, uh, and so it became more of a natural role, but I, fully agree with what you're saying because um and you you have actually said this before also the things that we teach the things that we put out there are really very often the things that we need to imbibe the most in and i agree with that because uh, the the work that i do with the guys i get so much out of it as well um even even raising my my sons um the lessons that really that i think that i taught them are just as much something that I've learned for myself. So I, d I definitely feel like uh, as a coach, as a human being, as a, I like to think of myself as a, as a feeling, caring, sentient man, um, that I am constantly evolving and constantly learning more about myself. And uh, part of that is being open to uh, realizing that I don't know anywhere near, like I don't know it all, you know, <laughs> I don't know anywhere near knowing it all. And, uh, and that's good. I think I, I really relate to that in a sense that nobody knows it all, you know. So we, if we leave that room for the mystery, we leave the room for, again, that, that mutability and, uh, and that growth, I think there's, it just leaves the door open for a lot of potential and possibilities to find out more about ourselves. And, um, and another thing I just wanted to reflect upon here, um, and I'll use the word reflect because I'm thinking about the mirror of looking in the mirror myself and having the mirror held up for me, because that's something I do very often with the guys. I'll, I feel like that's part of my role, you know, and I, I let them know, listen, I have no, no role in this other than helping you see what I see for yourself. You know, there's no judgment or attachment to it. So looking in the mirror, my, the mirror for myself and having that mirror held up for me, sometimes it's not always easy to look in the mirror to see things that I didn't think that other people see in me or that maybe I don't want to see in me. But um, even with that difficulty, I, I find a lot of value in it. Um, just being more uh, real with myself, being more humble and saying, okay, this is perhaps a perspective I never really considered before. And uh, is there a growth opportunity here for me? Well, I'm sure there is because it's coming up. And if it's real for somebody else, then I, I feel it's important for me to look at and, uh, and take take whatever stock there is in there uh, and get whatever benefit or challenge out of it that I can. Yeah. You know, I think it's almost easier to be a coach for another person uh, than it is to face self and to understand self. Because when working with another individual, it's very easy to be objective. It's very easy to be unattached. 
um, it's it's really simple to stay in the place of commitment to service because there's uh, there's an autonomy that exists and also an understanding that the other person is capable that they have within them what it takes to transform and transcend whatever their experience is and when we look at self-understanding the problem is we are attached uh, we're attached in conscious and unconscious ways and it is that attachment to identity that attachment to the persona our lifestyle our belief systems our woundings our stories that really is the inhibiting factor to self-understanding and so i think when we're willing to really let go and be objective uh, to ourselves in the way that we would be with a client it's it's only then that we get to see through the looking glass otherwise what we see is simply the reflection of what we want to see Mm, very good point yeah yeah the um the way of communicating like when i work with guys a lot of times i i find it's very helpful to ask a lot of questions so um just thinking about what you're saying also um when i ask myself the same questions that i might ask these guys you know being in service to them it's interesting sometimes when i hear myself (laughs) answering i'm like wow okay you know uh it's it's kind of profound so yeah that 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 being in service to other and it is very helpful for us as well i do believe and uh and just being open to whatever is out there and and considering it because i do i do think that is part of the understanding um it's not just our living in our own little heads our own little worlds with our own perspectives but also being open to what other people might have to offer to the conversation and it doesn't necessarily mean we have to agree with it but at least be open to that mirror and that reflection of what others might see or say it goes back to self-responsibility again because i whether you are a friend to someone whether you are a coach a mentor a teacher a counselor i do believe it's it's easier to ask the questions but it's it's when we're willing to not just hold the question in ourselves from that surface level, but to really go deeply into it and carry that that question and, and do the work of journaling to answer the question and go deeper and go deeper and go deeper and find what our core beliefs have been around those things. Do we then go into a greater level of service because we we truly can't serve another until we serve ourselves. And I think that goes to the title of this show, to understand self is to understand the other. So unless we're really willing to deep dive and do the type of work that takes us into our shadows, takes us into our fears and our projections, that takes us into our reasons why we want to adamantly stand in the position that we have, we really cannot be of service to another because we're holding on to uh, residual baggage that Um, on an energetic level, we actually transmit. And so, you know, I think it's really powerful to take a question, but then to really know what to do with the question and not just let it stay at the mental level is the task that's before each one of us. 
Mm, so you're pretty much saying diving deeper into it after intellectually acknowledging what the question is and looking looking further into it to get that really down to the roots of it is what I'm hearing. Yeah, because, you know, the mental level is really surface. That is the mind, that is the societal, that is some of the conditioning. But then we have to dive into the emotional body to understand what do we really feel about that? What what comes up around it? Is it a good feeling or a bad feeling? Is it discomfort? Is it uh, something that makes us go into a freeze where we're numb and we don't want to feel something? You know, where does this take us into our emotional body? And then once we go into the emotional body, you know, go deeper even there. Because within our physical body is where the unconscious is embedded. And the way that the physical body speaks is by sensation. Um, Hurt, discomfort, this doesn't feel good. It twinges in my left leg because I'm not receptive. It is... uh, I find my hand tightening into a fist because I'm holding on. I find my throat clearing because I'm not saying what I want to say. You know, our body speaks our truth, but I think we live in a world that's so fast-paced and so distracted and so used to running away that the mental level is an easy way to stay in identity, to hang on to ego, to grip on to story, to stay at the very surface level and masked level of who we each are. And if we truly want to be our authentic selves, if we truly want to discover the essence inside and live the natural, organic, receptive, higher vibrational law of attraction existence, then we have to be willing to crack away all of the masks. And the biggest one of all is the mind. We'll be right back after this. I trust you're enjoying this illuminated conversation with the Illuminated Warrior. Once again, you can visit Waska at illuminatedwarrior.com and find out all the ways that he is supporting men. I want to share with you that recently I have released a new book entitled Signs, Sacred Encounters with Pathways, Turning Points, and Divine Guideposts. If you are looking to explore how the world is speaking to you and all of the different ways in which signs are coming your way to answer the questions that you have, you can engage with the universe in powerful ways. I invite you to order your copy today. Signs goes into all of the ways that you are being spoken to, but additionally, has many stories of other people who have now encountered their signs and the many interpretations that they have. Included in this wonderful book is also the how-to of calling in signs, of engaging them, of deepening the conversation, connecting the dots, and understanding the echoes through time that expand your conversations with the universe. You can go to my website at imsimran.com and order your copy with the combination of an autographed copy of Conversations with the Universe, my first book in an expanded edition of How the Signs Appear in Our World. You can get this plus some additional gifts if you go to imsimran.com and you'll receive this two-time gold award-winning book, Conversations with the Universe, in addition to the latest release, Signs, Sacred Encounters with Pathways, Turning Points, and Divine Guideposts. Additionally, you can order Signs Worldwide 
It is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Chapters Books, or anywhere that books are sold. I hope that you'll pick up your copy today. Perhaps pick up a copy for a friend or engage in conversation with your book club. Signs is bound to be not only something that opens your eyes, but gives you a brand new way of looking at life, an empowering pathway to personally grow, and an opening gateway to spiritual expansion like you've never known it before. And now, back to the conversation with Waska Waboos, Illuminated Warrior. Going deeper, going beneath the surface level of of these sensations, because as you were saying, uh, the body does speak to us in, in sensations and is giving messages, um, just like that wonderful book you wrote, Conversations with the Universe. It's the signs, symbols, and synchronicities that are being offered to us on a constant basis, and are we open and willing to hear them? Are we aware? Or do we want to actually let those vibrations and those messages in? And are we willing to, again, as we were talking about, like, like be truthful, accept the truth, speak the truth, uh, acknowledge those messages and, and raise that vibration to a higher space of, rather than just saying, okay, well, this is, this is what it is. This is who I am. And, uh, and I'm, I'm is, is like, complicit and guilty of that is uh anyone that i've spoke to who has the same issue you know so for me um i'm constantly looking at myself and sometimes i'm real hard on myself which is is so interesting because when i work with with my brothers i'm like that's something i tell them all the time like bro don't be so hard on yourself man cut yourself some slack and that is one thing i've noticed in in in, in coaching and mentoring and, and being in circle with, with brothers, uh, we are very hard on ourselves a lot of times. And I think this is not just men, but I think women do this also. So we can be so present and compassionate with other people, but yet we beat ourselves up so much. So that's a self-reflection that um, I see and acknowledge. And uh, I think, again, when we, we do see those things uh, in the mirror it's easier to make the choice whether we want to acknowledge them and move forward or keep burying them so what's your take on that well you know i think that the deceptive intelligence of the ego is so tricky and one of the ways that it keeps us distracted is by having us you know go over our stories again and again and again you know repeat the past, talk about how things have wounded us in the past or how things have been, or uh, even as you just said, you know, be hard on ourselves. Say, oh, you know, I always beat myself up. Well, that's just a statement. It, it can stop at any moment, but it is a way of distraction for the ego to avoid the core issue. When we look at the world and we see reactivity and we see protest and we see blame or we see people checking out, going numb, getting into addiction, those are all simply masks and surface-level living to avoid what's really going on at a deeper level. And yet individuals say, you know, I want, I want the good life. I want the successful career. I want the purpose in life. I want to be able to serve others. I want the ideal romantic relationship. I want the perfect family but they don't want to do the work for it. They want to stay at that mental surface level and it's more important to be right or hold a grudge or 
emphasize the truth of their past than it is to say, let me close the door on that because that's not this moment. And there must be something deeper inside me that's keeping me running these loops and running these stories. So how can I possibly create a different future or create the type of life that I want if I keep projecting my past and my pain onto every person, place, and thing that crosses my path? Nothing will change. You will keep recreating the same exact experience. And I think that's why all the ancient texts have one simple core message, and that is live in the present moment. Because if you're in the present moment, you can't pull the past into it. You can't project into the future. You can only be with what is, and there is never anything wrong with what is. Mm. Very true, very true, because there really is nothing to fix. There's nothing to change other than what we feel is not working for us. So um, I, I believe that we all, to some degree, put on masks. I think that starts at a very young age. We wear masks of, um, like for the guys, I know we wear masks of like that, that macho self, that successful self, that uh, affluent self, that confident self, that I am worthy self, when a lot of those masks are actually just really doing just that. They're masking our true feelings and uh, what's going on beneath the surface. And um, so I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I mean, living presently, living in the moment. I mean, it's been a gazillion talk shows, books, movies, you know, people who talk about it. And uh, so why is it so difficult? Because there's a red pill and there's a blue pill. <laughs> so, you know, I've often said and joked around some of my friends who, uh, and I don't mean disrespect, but that are living kind of ignorantly and they don't get tweaked about a lot of the things that um, other others of us that are working, doing the self-help, the self-reflection type of work are, are feeling and suffering, so to speak, um, to get through, you know? So uh, the blue pill is definitely easier to just go along and, and, and be in that ignorant bliss, if you will, uh, the red pill, once you take it, once you see things uh, in the mirror and in the exterior world that makes sense, whether we like them or not, it's uh, it's an awareness that there's really no going back, you know. But I, I do think even with the red pill, uh, waking up and doing the work to get to the place of self-awareness and, and understanding self and having those relationships, understanding others. Um, it, it's still work to like shed those layers to take continually take off those masks and have some feedback also, because I don't really fully believe that we could, um, or at least not most of us anyway, could do the work without some kind of feedback, without some kind of um, response to you know, how, how does it look? How does it feel? How does it sound now? You know, because we could, we could come to our own conclusions, but without that feedback, I think it's, I think it's a lot more affirming and easier to move forward when we have that feedback. So. Well, I do think that most people rely on that crutch. I don't think it's required. I, I think at the core, we have to tell the truth that ultimately that's the, the first foundation that has to be laid is to, realize the lies that we're telling ourselves. And, you know, one of the biggest lies that exists um, or, or one of the things that we don't face is that, you know, human beings are naturally negative. We just are. So we're going to go the negative route whenever we can. And that's why we have 
so hard to be positive. That's why people do affirmations. That's why people do visualizations. Because at their core, there is an understanding that if I have to take a path, most likely my mind is going to go the negative path before it goes the positive path. The other core truth that we have to understand is we're lazy. We <laughs> have, we're sloths. We, we don't want to do the work, but we want life to change. And the truth is, unless you're willing to do the work, and that means whether or not someone's there to be a crutch, whether or not there is a, a painful prompt in life that makes you go, oh, I need to look at something because now pain has shown up. This is a moment-by-moment, day-to-day, look in the mirror and ask yourself, who am I? Who have I been? Who do I want to become? It requires that continual devotion and I think that's the 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 key where the the key turns the lock it's when we start to realize this doesn't have to be heavy it doesn't have to be work this can be my sacred devotion and self-love act toward myself which is ultimately the whole reason I incarnated on the planet in the first place But we run from devotion. We run from self-love. We run into the escape mechanisms or thinking that the next pill or the next drink or the next person or the next relationship or the next job or the next house or the next city is going to be the answer. And we don't realize that we take ourselves wherever we go. Mm, Yeah. Wherever you go, that's where you are. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, so, um, what you're saying is pretty, pretty powerful. Um, and I think the choice comes in there, um, about which direction we want to go and looking at my experiences, my friends, my community, my brothers, the work that I do with guys, um, it does support what you're saying in the areas of uh, we don't want to do the work. Uh, I see that a lot. I see that in a lot of my bros. I see that uh, even in myself at times uh, when things are posed, when the prompts are given that makes sense, that can move us into a, a more healthful sense of well-being. A lot of times I'll say we don't go go in that direction. And I, I often question like, okay, why is it? Why is that? Why, why do we want to stay in this suffering when there is another option, when there is another choice? And um, to question your statement, like, why are we negative at first, at first choice as human beings? Because it's not, I don't think it's easier to be negative. I think it would be a lot easier if we were joyful, blissful, and more positive. So where does it all begin? You know, uh, and I know, obviously, at the young age, you know, zero to seven, a lot of those uh, neural pathways and emotional pathways are established. And uh, and until there is some significant change, maybe in our whole society, in our whole world, that a lot of that energy is still there. You know, we project onto uh, our our offspring, onto our youth as much as, you know, we want better for the next generation. A lot of that multi-generational trauma continues anyway so 
where does it change? Um, you know, it's kind of a rhetorical question. I know it changes in, in, in a self-development and looking and understanding these things about ourselves and, and doing the work, as you said, because that is key. Um, so how, how do we get to that place where we could just put a, a, a bomb of uh, responsibility and awareness under the collective butt to just say, okay, it's time to just make these changes and look at yourself, look in the mirror, do the work and stop, stop bitching and moaning. Well, I mean, that's, that is the presence that we have to give to ourselves. I think at the core, you know, all of our issues, whether it's the negativity or the slothfulness or the laziness or reactivity or any of the things that take place, they stem from a basic unworthiness that was conditioned in from the time we were born. And we've taken on these lenses that we look at the world through, these belief systems that we create our lives from, and the perceptual filters that we now uh, act and live by based on those early experiences. But if we're not willing to go through our own multisensory bodies by first really digging into what is it that I think? What do I believe? What do I believe about money? What do I believe about love? What do I believe about work? What do I believe about life? What do I believe about um, how I'll be treated? What do I believe about myself? Until we're willing to go to those places where we're willing to truly see the belief that is anchored within the cells of our bodies, we don't really have the control to create our lives. We are creating unconsciously and the truth is we are reality creators so whatever we think believe and feel that is what out pictures outside of us in life so the key to that it is a maze we are all amazed and we are here to be amazed by going through ourselves so if we simply will go through the mind first and discover what is it that i really think and believe about everything to journal and keep journaling until you discover the cracks and crevices within yourself to truly know the world that you're creating based on the beliefs that you are believing. Then you can go into the feeling sensation of the body and say, okay, what do I really feel? Because then there's a whole nother layer. You know, we lie so much to ourselves and the world that we will tell people and ourselves what we think we want to hear but we totally ignore what we really feel. We've become such people pleasers and uh, individuals that have conditioned and conformed to what's around us that oftentimes we're talking out of both sides of our mouths. We're saying one thing and we're feeling another. So that's misalignment. So when we look at our lives and we wonder why life is so misaligned and things are not working out, it's because the basic framework internally is misaligned. We're, we're thinking one way, we're feeling another way, and then there comes the physical, the action. And then the action is a completely different thing. And so we go down a windy route in life because we've got kind of a windy route going on inside of us. But when we can line up those things by really knowing ourselves and understanding ourselves, then all of a sudden we can make what we think, what we feel, and what we do all align together and when that happens, life lines up with us. So that's the key. But it all depends on our willingness to give ourselves the space and time that we want to give to other people. 
that we want to give to other things, to realize that we're worthy enough for our own space and time to do this kind of work, to, to literally schedule it in our day, to say, you know what, I deserve one hour a day, you know, 30 minutes to, to brain dump and feel and know what I'm intending and acting in that day, and then 30 minutes to be receptive, to let something bigger than me come in and fill these empty spaces, retune the places that have gone out of harmony, and recalibrate the areas that are no longer vibing at the frequency that I originally came onto this planet as. We have to do the tune-ups, but if we don't even give ourselves space and time, how can that ever happen? Amen to that. It's, it's interesting that that sounds like, and I'm sure surely is, a wonderful roadmap to to reclaim what a lot of us have lost to take that time and put those things into into practical application so um, you know you mentioned before about you know people taking pills or whether it's pills or alcohol and you know I used a little a little metaphor with the red pill and the blue pill um, it's very uh, much present I see it a lot in a lot of the the guys I work with, interesting that there's a lot of um, recovery from drugs, alcohol, uh, addictive behaviors. And what I've found to be one of the most helpful things and clarifying, clarifying, enlightening things uh, was really going into the deepest meditation practice that I've done. So that was that Vipassana experience that I went on and gifted myself several years ago. Um, and the minimum that they recommend is doing like 10 days. And I see why, because it takes a certain amount of time to kind of deprogram all the external things that are going on within our heads and to shut out the noise and to put the monkey mind radical frenetic thoughts in a box and allow ourselves to really think more clearly. So for me, it did take a few days to get to that place. And then I felt like I was in a, in a state of bliss because I wasn't having all these external thoughts. I was really felt like I was in touch with my, with my body, with my mind. Think, I felt like I was being a lot more clear in my thought process. And, uh, and I was asked by one of the instructors, they did a check and he's like, you know, you, you were having difficulty at first, just getting even physically comfortable sitting for day you know, for hours during the day to meditate. And you seem to have gotten over that, which I did. The, the, I, it was very hard. I, I've been meditating for a long time. So to sit for an hour or two, I've done that, you know, but to sit for the whole day with minimal breaks, it was very challenging. You know, I was in my body. And then when I left my body, and I was able to sit all day. I went into my head. And that was even more challenging. And then I was saying, hey, bring back the, the, the back pain. After I expressed to him, I said, wow, I feel really blissful. His response to me was, you'll get over it. And at first I was like, hey, man, that's not cool. This is what, this is what I want. And you know, it became evident to me, no, that's not what I want. Because it's, as, as you know all too well, it's the craving, it's the clinging and the aversion that really causes the suffering, you know? So I was clinging to that, hey, I feel great, this is blissful, and I wanted to push away 
you know, the back pain and the monkey mind and all that stuff. And that doesn't work. It really doesn't work. So for me, it was really coming to the realization that I have to acknowledge all of these things about myself and be able to sit with it. And the power of that meditation experience was uh, I cleared out all of the minutiae that is usually running through my brain, which again, in my experience working with guys, we, you know, I'm like, cut, cut to the chase, dude. I don't need to hear the whole story to be able to, you know, help you with this or, you know, hold up the mirror for you. And that's, that is what we do. We just tell stories and we go around and around and around. And um, I think it is very imperative to really get down to the heart of it and stand in front of ourselves, stand in front of the mirror and acknowledge what we see, good, bad, or ugly. And as you say, uh, to do the work, go deep and do the work. Yeah. But it's not always easy. Essential, but not always easy. Yeah, I think that that's one of the beautiful things about the Vipassana experience because it takes you through that multisensory body. Uh, the first thing that you will encounter are going to be the thoughts that are running. And then as you're sitting there all day, every day for 10 days, 20 days, 30 days, whatever degree of Vipassana you've signed up for, then all of a sudden your body is going to going to start aching and hurting. And those gross sensations of the body are actually where the pain, the trauma, the beliefs, the conditioning has been stored. And so when we're feeling that discomfort in meditation and that need to shift and move to get comfortable, what we're really feeling are the places where the energy has gotten stagnant. And that's why it's important to breathe in those spaces and to be with those spaces so that they release um, because as they dissolve, you're dissolving the old energies, the old conditioning. And amidst all of that, the feelings are going to pop up. And so when we give ourselves the space, we give ourselves the condition to decondition. And that is how we become more natural. That is how we return to our authentic self and our true nature. Because all of a sudden, we have no place to run and hide everything that we are or have come to believe ourselves to be, is sitting right there with us. And we either have to be with it, or we have to, uh, we have to escape it again. And in those situations, we're forced to be with it. And so I highly recommend that experience. And I, I always tell individuals, be prepared, because it's not going to be a comfortable experience. You are going to really see... Um, all that is animal about you, all that is shadow uh, within your nature, all that is completely distracted and um, chaotic inside of you. And the purpose of it is to reach places of neutrality and equanimity so that not only do we not have the lows in life where we dip down from the cravings that we, or aversions that we have, but we also are not sent off kilter by the highs, like you were saying, the bliss or, you know, the epic romance or the million dollars that we want to make or the status and the fame. All of a sudden, we're not attached to people's opinions in the same way. There's so many things that we gain a space of equanimity around because then it's more about creating a conscious and committed experience and partnership with life and those that want to equally participate with us in life. 
Mm. Very well said. Yes. It's, um, it's definitely a process. And I think sharing the awareness of those experiences um, is a, is a door to at least offer others to walk through. But of course we need to do it for ourselves first. And, you know, I look back on my childhood and, and the, the way that I was raised and just the, uh, the traumas that I went through in my life, and we all have gone through traumas. Um, getting through those things, just as uh, we've discussed and you've written about in your books before, it's, um, it's imperative to actually fully feel them. And I know uh, for me, initially, I felt like, okay, I felt it enough I'm moving on from this. <laughs> and that, as we know, it doesn't work. You really do have to fully feel it until you can't feel it anymore. And that's uh, it's a very challenging thing for a lot of us to do, you know. And, and I think part of it is we don't necessarily know that that's the way through it, you know. The way through it is to just dive right into it. It seems counterintuitive because it's painful and, you know, like, like Buddhist teachings, you know, as, as sentient beings, we want to be happy and avoid suffering. So why would we think that just dive into it and, and go deep and experience it is going to release us. Although that is the, the paradox of doing it, that we can get that release and move forward from it. Um, you know, again, it is challenging, but it is, it is the only way, way through. Like they say, there's no breakthrough without breakdown. And uh, I thought that was kind of cliche when I first heard it and then really kind of experienced that and looked at it. And I'm like, I, I do believe that is true. I think we do need to, to break things down and break down ourselves. And, uh, and as guys also, it really is okay to do that. It's okay to, to fully feel. It's okay to cry. It's, it's okay to get whatever emotions out. Like even I, I grew up uh, very, very shy and introverted and quiet. And um, I wound up being resentful and angry. I had a lot of anger, you know, um, and I didn't let it out for the longest, longest time. And then when I did, I was chided for like, oh, well, you know, you're angry. You're, And I thought it sounded like a really bad thing that I was being angry. But then I realized, you know what, I'm, I'm not necessarily hurting anybody with this anger. They just don't like it because that was part of the, my dysfunctional family dynamic that my role in the alcoholic family was to be quiet, to be good little boy and just go with the flow and not make waves. And now all of a sudden... I found my voice and I'm angry and I'm speaking my truth and nobody likes it. It's disrupting the apple cart. It's, it's kind of like prodding the others in that dysfunctional triangle to be a certain different way. And they didn't like it. And uh, it wasn't easy for me, but it was a way through to find that freedom to express myself and fully get it out. That's why um, I, I do believe that getting all emotions and especially anger um, you know, do it in the most compassionate way possible, but getting that anger out is so key because, you know, I've said it before, emotions buried alive never die and keeping that anger in, um, it just turns on ourselves and it makes us sick and causes stress and all sorts of disease. So I think it's imperative to, to feel what we need to feel and, um, and, and walk or crawl through it however we have to get through it to, to get to the other side. Well, I think anyone who, who, thinks that they are going to avoid their pain by finding methods to avoid their pain um, is, is living a lie. 
we don't avoid anything. It will completely show up in other places, in other ways to keep bringing us back to that because that is how life is designed. It's designed to bring us to the people, places, and things that keep knocking on the, the doors of our pain so that we finally address it and reconcile it and reabsorb the cracked and broken and lost parts of ourselves. And when we do that, that is where the peace and the joy and the happiness actually reside. And, and that's the irony. But, you know, life is this game. It is this paradox where we, we think what we're looking for is outside, but it's really inside. We want to go after the shiny bobble, but really the diamond is hidden inside the dark coal. And, and once you figure that out, then all of a sudden the work, the pain, any of that doesn't have to feel as heavy. Again, it can become the devotion. It can become the place of commitment and partnership. And when you can have devotion and sacredness and commitment and partnership to self in that way, then true namaste happens outside of you. Then you can see the God in other people. Then you can respect other people the way they deserve and embrace them and accept them. Um, but until then, it's just a bunch of smoke and mirrors and masks that, um, that an individual uses to make themselves feel good about themselves because, you know, we can spiritually bypass all day long. And, and I, I see people do it all the time. It's easy to say, you know, I do my work or I do this profession or I, um, I, I know these teachings or I've studied under these people uh, or I've written these books or I'm on stages or, you know, all of that. But that doesn't mean that the person has evolved. Uh, it just means that they are good at marketing and they're good at putting out there what they do. But, you know, are they really behaving and living their life by those principles, you know, or is it just another mask that they're wearing to try to convince themselves that they're good enough? And until we can embrace that we believe that we're unworthy, that we believe that we're undesirable, that we believe that we are unlovable or not seen, until we fully embrace those places and then give that to ourselves only then can we have the compassion, the kindness, and the care that is required in the world to truly hold the sacred space that the world is calling for. I was just thinking a question I ask and a lot of times in our men's circles, ask yourself, who am I? A lot of the answers tend to be more of the physical, of the material, what guys are stereotypically seen as, but also in reality, that's, that's a big paradigm. They would name their jobs or careers or what they had uh, as far as material wealth, houses, cars, whatever. So we would look at rather than physical material aspects of who you are, because that's not who you are. That's what you have. Looking at the feelings behind it and the belief systems and how you're living your life and how you're being. So when I'm in that role of facilitator, I, I believe I do a pretty good job of stepping outside myself and being that empty vessel or that container, but I also can acknowledge and relate to that um, and emphasize how important it is that we are not things. We are not our job. We are not our career. And I brought this up on a, on a previous show when 
meeting people for the first time, I think it's just a natural thing. Hey, what do you do? You know, and we've, we've done shows on, you know, the be, do, have, rather than the have, do, be. And that seems to be the question. I don't know if it's true of, of women also, um, but a lot of times, like almost almost every time, I would say, if I go to a networking meeting or meet somebody on a social occasion, hey, what do you do? You know, and it's like, well, it would be really cool to be like, you know, who, like, hey, man, who are you? What, you know, what are you all about? You know, what do you, who you, who do, who do you be? You know, kind of thing. And that's, I think that would be really helpful um, on the individual level of understanding ourselves as well as understanding other people um, because we are not what what we do we're not our jobs we're not our careers and a lot of times um again because i do the men's work i can't speak how women feel about this um we define ourselves by what we have and what we do and what our job is and what our career is and and the more important aspects of really knowing and understanding ourselves of, of that those emotions and you know who we're really being on an everyday basis to ourselves and those around us that kind of takes a back backseat to back burner which I, I think is uh, imperative as part of this conversation part of the bigger picture to really go deeper to understanding ourselves. well i think you know that's definitely all part of what our society conditions us to believe and i think definitely for men you know they're they're taught to base their value on what they can do and how they can save the day and how they can be the knight in shining armor and all of those kinds of things and Ultimately, it is illustrative of how empty we are in society because we really don't know ourselves. And when we can only identify ourselves by, you know, the profession we have or the amount of diamonds on our hand or the house or the car that we possess, then all of a sudden we have turned into machines. We have become these inhumane robotic structures that simply move in the world. But when we can move into a place where, you know, who am I becomes more about the expression, the creative expression, the essence of what the heart feels, you know, to be vulnerable, to be intimate, to be uh, empathic. When we can speak to those sides of ourselves, then all of a sudden we get to sip our own humanity and you know, humanity is, is not something that we come in with. It is, it is not something that we all possess. That is the chalice that we are here to attain. It is the Holy Grail to really understand and access that level of humanity that allows the tears to drip when heartbreak sets in, and that allows the giggle to bubble up from the belly when bliss has rained down you know humanity is the full spectrum of the crayon box and that is ultimately the reason for having a human body but if we are running in a fast-paced world and time is flying by and it's always about the next project or the next thing or the next place to go there's no time for the sacredness of our humanity and then this aspiration of ascension or, you know, finding the God within or accessing the God without is a moot point because those things are not even accessible unless you first have your humanity. So it's, it's a very interesting 
place that we find ourselves because there's a lot of shadow masculine and shadow feminine on the planet right now that is doing the dance of dominance and manipulation and secrets and lies. And we see it coming out uh, in the news, in events, in experiences. And all of it is a cry for humanity. Every single incident that we see, every dominant person, every subjugated individual, each one of them is another cry for the humanity that they have lost. Um, And so, you know, our greatest service to the world really goes towards understanding the self and just making it our mission to find and embrace our own humanity. Yes. There's a Lakota phrase, uh, matakwiasin, which means all my relations. And also... We hear a lot of uh, the phrases, uh, we, we're, we're all one, there's only one person in the room, the oneness, the connectedness. And I do believe that, and I believe that science is also supporting that. We're seeing it more on a, on a nuclear molecular level that there, it does reflect of the human aspect of it, that we are all connected. Um, but yet, if we look at what's going on to add to what you're saying about the humanness and where we're at, it doesn't look like we're really being the true definition of human beings. It doesn't look like, you know, we're all related and all connected from like a, a, a macro view, looking at the big picture, like why uh, are we so advanced in, in so many technologies and even medicine and, you know, social media, but yet we're really not experiencing that, that connectedness, that oneness on, uh, an exponential level as we have with technology and medicine and our communication uh, options and all. And I think that's uh, where getting back to the word presence, what you brought up before, it, it really is essential to be present. Um, it requires presence, practice and effort for us to really grow to know ourselves and to elevate into a higher place where we can uh, understand ourselves and then have that communion and that connection with other people, you know, spiritually as well as just in practically in a practical setting, you know? So, you know, my question is uh, what is your practice? What is, you know, and I don't don't mean necessarily you per se, but like for everybody, anybody listening or even for myself, what is your practice? I know the things that have really helped connect me to me is when I sit on my cushion and I meditate and I allow myself to decompress and let the thoughts come in and come out. And um, when I'm being creative, whether it's music or, you know, making a feather fan out of a, you know, wing that I got, or whether it's being on the earth or doing, you know, planting something or exercising or yoga, um, you know, again, being in nature or, journaling, whatever it is, um, those are the things that bring me closer to, to me, to knowing myself and escaping that rat race, that hamster wheel that I think most of us are on. I believe that we all need a practice to really be able to connect uh, to ourselves and find that, you know, the things that we're talking about here. What's your feeling about that? Yeah, I think that there are certain protocols that we can each do and 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 they are things like meditation and journaling and 
reading and, you know, all the things that are the doing. And they will serve us in different ways. They are ways that we actually um, can take the time to know ourselves in a greater way. And then, and, and those allow us to access both the neck up and the neck down, depending on the degree that we are willing to go with them. And then there is really dropping into the place that is from the neck down. And that has everything to do with communication and communing. Uh, to communicate with ourselves and our spirit. To communicate with those outside of us. Um, that is communion. That is bringing the oneness to the world by way of the heart. And so that too can be a spiritual practice because when you're communicating and communing and you're asking the questions and staying in the inquiry and listening for the answers, that is where the truths will rise. And that is a different level of self-love. I think ultimately the greatest practice we can all have is to continuously deepen into how am I loving myself? And that is beyond the surface love of taking myself on trips and buying myself nice things and um, even eating healthy or the exercise or that type of thing. It's do I love myself enough to really know myself, to go into the places of my own darkness and my own light? Do I love myself enough to be alone with myself for long periods of time? Do I love myself enough to love and be loved? Do I love myself enough to relate to others and see their sides and points of views and understand with compassion where they're coming from simply because I've excavated those very places within myself to be able to see them? And in that way, I understand myself and I understand them. And that is true spirituality. That is relationship. That is unity when we do those types of things. Mm, beautiful. For me and any of the brothers that I would offer any kind of suggestions to is that we be responsible you know, for our thoughts, our words, our actions. You know, choose a practice. Face the light. Do something that illuminates and that you know really daily practice that brings and supports digging down into the deep roots of figuring out you know who who you are who we are um as individuals and then uh you know again being responsible for those those nuggets that come up and then uh and just nurturing planting and watering those seeds and just um growing from there so just offer uh, anything that you'd like to close with, Simran? Uh, I just want to invite everyone to take some time after the show and uh, really deepen below the neck and to invite your higher self, your lower self, your shadow, your light to come to the forefront and begin conver <clears throat> conversing with you so that you get to know yourself in a better way and really free yourself from the shackles and the bindings that keep you from living your best life simply because you don't need to carry around 
the baggage that you've been carrying. This is now a time of freedom. It's a time to live in the present moment on a continual basis. And that's going to require your work. It's going to require your effort until you discover the depth of love inside yourself that transforms into devotion and ease. Mm, Well, amen to that. Well, thank you for joining me today, Sermon. Until next time, be well and continue to illuminate your paths with loving kindness. Special gratitude to Waska Waboos for a beautiful conversation. Visit his website, illuminatedwarrior.com. It is a forum for candid conversations for men and women about men, a place to share perspectives and ideas, discuss and discover new pathways together through common challenges for healing, growth, clear communication, and healthy expression of feelings. Once again, that's illuminatedwarrior.com. Until next week, I am Simran. In love, of love, with love and as love, be well. Do you sometimes feel down, lost, or lonely? Are your finances feeling sluggish? Can your relationships use a healthy tune-up? Don't fear, bro. Help is here. Experience the benefits of connecting with other men who are going through similar challenges. Be supported in our safe, sacred, and inspiring monthly telecircle with the Brotherhood of the Illuminated Warriors. Connect with Waska for one-on-one mentoring with the first session completely free. What have you got to lose? Check out IlluminatedWarrior.com or send an email to Waska at IlluminatedWarrior.com. You're invited to step up your game and join us. You'll be glad you did. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, You are not on the journey. You are the journey.